This episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast is presented by Sling. Sling has a special rate right now, which is $15 for the first month. So uh, check it out for sure. You've got the CONCACAF Gold Cup, the games in July. Uh, plus, before you know it, it'll be the Women's World Cup later in July too. So $15 for the first month on Sling. Check it out at sling.com. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. My name is Christopher Harris and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Kreshnayer. Kartik, we originally were planning on doing this podcast episode focusing about the, the Barcelona invasion in into Miami uh, with the hirings of Tata Martino, uh, Leo Messi and Sergio Busquets, as well as uh, the, the pending arrival, perhaps, of Jordi Alba. Definitely a, uh, a Barca-Miami influence there, about 15 years after Barcelona trying to get a team in, uh, in Miami, uh, which would have been Barca-Miami, basically kind of a, an extension of FC Barcelona in Major League Soccer. That didn't happen. Maybe we'll cover that in a future episode to go into more details about um, what happened uh, 15 years ago and how it has come full circle to where we are today. However, um, breaking news, uh, some big news came out of Mexico this week um, as reported on worldsoccertalk.com. And the news is the League's Cup, which starts on July 21st, just, uh, just three weeks away, uh, originally, the intention was from Liga Mackeys and Apple is that the League's Cup would be available on television in Mexico. It would not be available on MLS Season Pass as it is in the United States and every other, every other country in the world. However, uh, Liga Mackeys uh, announced uh, late Wednesday that, um, that there's, there's been a U-turn, that Liga Max. Uh, had not come to any agreements with uh, TV stations in Mexico. And there's some big ones, right? Televisa, etc. So as a result, if you're in Mexico and you want to watch League's Cup, the only way to watch it is through MLS Season Pass. Kartik, what's your initial take on, on this news? And what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, and let's remember, uh, again, because the bar is always moved and, and uh, people accuse us of being biased and, and, and looking for negativity in stories, which we don't do. In fact, I think we bend over backwards, to be fair, towards Major League Soccer and Soccer United Marketing and, and sometimes get accused of the opposite by, by certain people. When the Apple deal was announced, Chris, you and I both reported on it. And remember that this cutout for a linear television potentially for linear television in Mexico was a big uh, for leagues cup was a big talking point in that initial announcement that uh, of the Apple MLS deal, which is now, I, I, I don't know, it's a, a year ago or so now. Um, so the fact that they had this much time to secure a deal and weren't able to do it really is troubling to me. I, I'm disappointed. I, I have really high hopes for this competition and uh, this was going to be a fundamental part of it, getting it on Televisa or Azteca or some sort of linear channel in Mexico. Now, maybe uh, this works to Apple's benefit and it, it, it drives uh, some season pass subscriptions or, or uh, some sort of uh, 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 arrangement like that uh, in Mexico. But I, I'm 
really very disappointed by this news, and and uh, I'm not sure who's to blame if if it's Liga Emekis, if it's maybe MLS and some wanting a certain uh, amount uh, uh, in terms of monetary compensation, if it's the television networks in Mexico, if it's an attitude in Mexico thumbing their noses at the competition, which if that's the case, that really disappoints me and upsets me. But um, it's not good news that there's no way to spin it. Um, it's not good news that there's no way to spin it. Yeah, there's there's a bunch. Of what I'm hearing from Mexico, from uh, both uh, industry executives in Mexico as well as some of the reporters in Mexico, it's a combination of things. First of all, probably most importantly, is that the Leagues Cup in Mexico is viewed as a preseason friendly exhibition. It's basically just like International Champions Cup. They they look at it as eh, it's just, it's just friendlies it's just exhibition games it doesn't really matter in terms of the the meaningfulness of, of a real competition so that's that's a huge issue right there is that Mexican fans really are just thinking like eh, it's no big deal like why should we go ahead and, and watch this likewise with the, with the TV networks thinking okay eh, th- this is not really uh, of much importance um, maybe we'll pass on this. Some of the other things, though, too, there are issues, too. I mean, Leo Messi, yeah, definitely, in the United States is going to be a massive hit, and, and we'll get into that in a little bit more uh, in a little while. But the reality is is that we've seen this worldwide uh, from the United States, is whenever there's a Mexican player that's playing abroad, so uh, it's a huge success in, tape, in TV ratings. We've, we've seen this, this before when there were Mexican players in the Bundesliga and uh, Tudo N.A. did a deal, right, to, to broadcast some of those games that had uh, Mexican players in the Bundesliga. I was in Mexico on that subject, Chris. I was in Mexico in the summer of 2007, right after Stuttgart had uh, won the league and Pavel Pardo uh, was it Pavel Pardo and 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 Ricardo Osorio? Uh, 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 well, I, I I'm I'm fogging on my memory, but there were two Mexican players who played for Stuttgart. Uh, interesting, we're talking about Stuttgart, a team that's now a yo-yo club, but they won the league in 2007. And I mean, I couldn't go anywhere to any newsstand in that country without seeing pictures of the two Mexican players, uh, articles about the Stuttgart triumph. This isn't just in football periodicals. This is everywhere. Uh, that's how into their players they are. Now, maybe it's, it's that's 16 years ago. Maybe things have changed, but that stands out as a memory. And I think I, I came back to the States and told you that right away and, 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 brought, and brought back some of the, the newspapers and magazines. I mean, it was, it was like these guys are conquering heroes. And that's the way uh, the Mexican public views their players abroad, uh, particularly in Europe, when they win something. Yeah, and two more competitions to throw out there too, as far as uh, huge huge interest in the U.S. for Mexican players. It was the the Dutch league, so the Eredivisie, right? Which is normally it's a good league with good standards. I mean, usually Ajax usually wins it, but there was some Mexican players in the Eredivisie, and then Tudueni started showing Eredivisie games on, on Saturday mornings. Same thing with the the Portuguese league, the Portuguese league, same exact thing, right? Mexican players in Portugal. Big hit, and then all of a sudden, um, U.S. networks, well, basically, Tudo N.A. Uh, Univision showing those games because just because of the Mexican players. Well, I mean, we all know this, but Leo Messi is not Mexican. 
if he was Mexican, it'd be a completely different story. I think Televisa, Azteca, etc. He's, would be going he's crazy. Mexico's torment. He's Mexico's tormentor. Mexico has been eliminated by Messi's Argentina in three of the last five World Cups. Wow. Uh, effectively, effectively. Yeah. Okay, so this time it was in the group stage, but uh, uh, two times previously in the knockout stages. Yeah. So the attraction for. Liga Mackey, uh, fans of Liga Mackey's clubs in Mexico to watch this competition is really just to watch their teams play, right? Club America, Chivas, uh, Club Atlas, uh, Tigres, etc. Uh, however, if they still, if the TV networks and the fans view this as really a cash grab, as really an exhibition tournament, as a, a friendly competition, then the level of interest, the level of, you mean, kind of passion to, to watch these games is going to be pretty pretty low. And then the other obstacle with this, though, too, is that now that all the games are on MLS Season Pass in Mexico, will those people s- sign up? And actually, in Mexico, for the first 30 days, they have a free trial to MLS Season Pass, which is good news, right? So the the uh, the actual obstacle that they have to uh, so, uh, go jump over um, is just a free trial. So sign up, and then after the, after the 30 days then you can continue watching MLS uh, through, the, through the rest of the MLS uh, uh, season or regular season playoffs, etc. So from the MLS season pass perspective, this is a good opportunity is to offer it for free in Mexico. I mean, watch Leagues Cup, watch all the Club America games and Chivas, etc., etc. And then MLS is, um, and Apple are hoping that those people will continue watching it, will be impressed by some of the MLS teams and how they do, how well they do against these Liga Max uh, teams and then continue the subscription to MLS Season Pass and become a fan of an MLS team. Now that's that's a big hurdle, a big who uh, a big obstacle to be able to to actually achieve. But there's an opportunity there, so it it, it is good news, bad news. It, it's definitely bad news for the kind of the really the prestige or kind of the uh the feel-good factor about leagues cup we're going into a tournament where mexico really doesn't really care much about this tournament now the question i have for you kartik is is that different in the united states for for those mexican americans or those those fans of liga mex clubs in the u.s would they have a different perspective on this than their you know, families or, or, or relatives or, or other Mexicans in, in Mexico? Is it different in the U.S.? Um, that's a great question. I, I don't know. I, I, I should ask around and, and come to a, uh, a, a, a kind of a consensus decision before the competition kicks off. I mean, my, my assumption uh, has always been that things like Leagues Cup, uh, before that uh, Super League, uh, that it meant more to... U.S.-based Mexican fans, right? Mexican fans of uh, U.S.-based Mex- uh, fans of Mexican football uh, of uh, Pumas and, and Cruz Azul and, and Club America when they've been in the competition. Chivas a little less so. Chivas, um, I, I think uh, Chivas fans are fundamentally different uh, than than some of these other fans. And quite quite frankly, I see uh, far more. And this is anecdotal. I see far more uh, Cruz Azul and Club America kits uh, around than I see Chivas kits. And I've seen a lot more Monterey and Tigres recently as well, which that's logical, right? Those clubs are, are, are setting the standard for this, uh, this uh, uh, region, 
in terms of uh, the quality of the, of, of, of the players they've been able to sign, the style of football, and their success in international competition. So uh, I, I see Chivas kind of fading. Maybe uh, uh, the newer fans, maybe those newer fans are fans of Monterey and, and uh, Tigres, and they want, to, uh, uh, they, they want to see those clubs continue to, to dominate uh, MLS competition, and they'll be uh, psyched for it. But as far as um, the general Mexican-American fan, I'm not sure. I, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I think Chivas fans in the U.S. need to be in more finals. They, they, they need to see their team in more finals just like they were just recently. Um, and with success, I think that that uh, the actual fan base will grow. However, I mean, the, the thing about Leagues Cup is that um, it starts July 21st. I mean, it's a major deal for MLS and for uh, Liga MX as well as Apple. I mean, before the Messi signature, I think you and I were thinking that, okay, this is the biggest thing happening in MLS this year. This is the thing that is bigger than the regular season is basically the massive thing that the focus is on and that there is some uh, definitely enthusiasm about this competition. I would argue that Messi's arrival now has uh, supplanted that and has made the League's Cup a little bit kind of secondary or surplus to requirements. People are probably thinking like, eh, Anyway, let's focus on the Messi games. But before we get to the Messi things, the question I asked you, Kartik, was about whether or not um, U.S. fans would be different than uh, of Liga MX clubs would be different than fans in Mexico. The only thing I have to say about that is that based on the top 25 hottest selling soccer tickets in the U.S. this summer, and this is based on the average price of a ticket on the secondary market, so these are the tickets that are selling for the highest amounts of money, uh, the top 25. Out of those 25, um, eight of them are AEG events. So those are the games involving Manchester United, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, uh, Milan. And I think uh, I think there's a couple of Arsenal games in there too. So though, out of the 25 hottest selling tickets, eight of them are the uh, AEG, AEG European Tour, for lack of a better word. Actually, I think it's called Champions Tour. I think it's called. Uh, second in that top 25 list is six of the games involving Messi. Uh, and these are MLS games, and, and it's into Miami. So it's either home games or away games. So that certainly is the Messi factor there, 100%. 100%. Next up, two of them are Wrexham games. I think they play Manchester United, the academy team, and then Chelsea. Uh, two of them are League's Cup games with Messi. And then the rest of them are single digits. So it's one of them's a Gold Cup final, one of them's a Gold Cup quarterfinal, which arguably those might be really more Mexican fans hoping that they'll make it to the quarterfinals or the final. Uh, another one is the uh, U.S. Uh, women's national team, the friendly that they have against Wales. And then the last but not least, we have one MLS game, which is El Trafico, uh, which is on Tuesday, which is the rescheduled game at the Rose Bowl. One of them is the Premier League Summer Series game. And then last but not least, one of them is the MLS All-Star game against Arsenal. And arguably, I'm sure, Arsenal is the one that's driving most of those ticket sales. So if, if we look at the top 25 hottest ticket sales in the U.S. for this summer, None of them are League's Cup games other than ones involved with Messi. 
so so th- to me that 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 gives us an idea of so far there's a lot to, a lot of work to do and and a lot of these games are weeks out, out. a lot of these games are happening at the same time as as the actual league's cup all right and and in kind of the, the main topic of this podcast really i mean we're definitely talking about league's cup but the other part of it is really talking about messi and we've talked about those ticket sales and we've talked about um you mean revenue from mls uh, season pass subscriptions how many signups are, are there going to be uh especially with league's cup and we're talking about you mean ticket sales you mean merchandise sales so much of major league soccer's you mean really success is overly dependent on messi and god forbid i mean hopefully nothing happens hopefully messi stays fit injury free and and all that having said that inter miami has one of the worst injury records in major league soccer they've got several players out a few of them are out for the season inter miami you ask any inter miami fan i mean they keep on picking up injuries and this is happening it seems to be more than other teams but hopefully with messi hopefully that doesn't happen but i think in terms of um major league soccer I mean, so much. I mean, really, what's happened happening is that they're overly dependent on on Messi. Um, not only do they have to hope that he stays injury free, but they also have to hope that Messi somehow finds a way to get into Miami beyond the group stage of the League's Cup in order to attract more viewers to this competition. You mean for the rest of the rounds? If uh, Inter Miami Miami gets knocked out in the first uh, in the group stage, I think they only play a couple of games. Then that's that's it for the actual. Um, I mean that that's going to hurt their uh, league's cup uh, viewership. Uh, second of all, I think MLS needs Messi to try to help Inter Miami reach the playoffs. It seems almost impossible. Even if they win all the games, they are the worst team in Major League Soccer right now. That's a huge ask. Even with Tata Martino, even with uh, Busquets, even with possibly Alba, um, this is a team. You mean really in need of Inter Miami. Uh, getting some new players and, and MLS in the need of, of them reaching the playoffs. And lastly, Kartik, this is the this is the, the ironic thing about this is that MLS doesn't need this, but probably Messi's best chance of helping into Miami is the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, into Miami's in the semifinals. Uh, there's a good chance for Messi to to play play his role as well as the other players and get. Into Miami, into the the final of the U.S. Open Cup, and to play whoever, and that might be the shining moment of Inter Miami's uh, uh, this season uh, with Messi. And MLS has nothing to do with that. Yeah, I know, but I, I think uh, that that's all very fair. I mean, I do think there's still a lot of potential in League's Cup. I'm disappointed by this development. Messi uh, uh, coming, I, I guess, will affect the American audience for it, right? And and maybe the global audience outside of Mexico. Uh, and outside Mexican-American fans uh, in a positive way. Uh, But I'm still very hopeful that this competition, which is in theory more egalitarian and meritorious than the UEFA Champions League, 
or uh, the CONCACAF Champions League because everybody's let in. And, and, I, and I like that. I like that idea, particularly when MLS's regular season, MLS, the MLS campaign is so meaningless. I like the idea of meaningful games, group stages where you have two matches. You've got to win them if you're an MLS team. I really think it's, 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 it's a wonderful thing for the league. Uh, and, and for those of you who think that I'm just very biased against MLS, I've been probably one of the least skeptical people about League's Cup out there. Uh, so I'm still very optimistic about the tournament and actually would prefer it to the UEFA Champions League, as I just mentioned. Uh, now, take that for an opinion, right? That, that's probably you know, a 1% opinion, but that's where I am. Uh, but now with Messi in the league, I think everything else the league does is very dependent on Messi. Uh, in terms of injuries, I, um, as someone who's been around football for a long time, some injuries are freaks. Some some injuries are accidents. I think I'll, I, I've come to a longer term view that injuries, when teams have a disproportionate number of injuries, it's usually down to the way they train and to their coaches. Right? Inter Miami has just uh, made a managerial change and brought in Tata Martino. So I don't think the injury record necessarily will stay the same. I don't know. I don't follow the club. You do, Chris. You follow it much more closely than I do. So maybe there's something with those specific players. But I, I tend to think when you have large uh, swaths of injury, I'll just throw out one club for you recently in, in, in world football, Leicester City. Leicester City's injury record was so alarming. And I think it w- had a lot to do with Brendan Rodgers and the way he trains the team and the way they played in matches. And uh they, they, they fell out of Champions League positions uh, late in the season, uh, two successive years as a result, and then uh, a couple of years later have been shockingly relegated. So um, I, I, I'm hopeful Messi can stay fit. I do have to point out, though, um, in reference to that, David Beckham was getting hurt more regularly in his first few years in MLS than he had been previously in his career. So he got hurt in Superliga, which was the kind of equivalent tournament of League's Cup then, uh, early on. He got hurt uh, early on after he came to MLS. He got hurt in a match against Chivas USA when it was Jesse Marsh, interestingly enough, who threw the tackle in that injured uh, Beckham. He got injured um, uh, in the 2008 season, second half of the season, and the Galaxy, who had started well under Rude Hula, tanked. Then he got hurt in 2010 on loan at Milan, uh, which we remember. So um, the first few years Beckham was in MLS, it was the hottest ticket. It was the biggest boost the league has had in its 27 years now, uh, a, a single boost that it, it, it's had outside of its inaugural year. But he was hurt a lot, and so that's a, a concern about Messi. But I still think um, Messi is a player – that uh, historically hasn't got, gotten hurt that much. So uh, maybe it works out differently. Maybe for Beckham, it was just something freak. That yeah, happened. a couple of things on that one, Kartik. You, you bring up good points. One, though, is that there's a lot of turf fields, right, in Major League Soccer. Well, not a lot. There are a number of turf fields in Major League Soccer. So I mean, if, when he goes to play against Atlanta United at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, in Atlanta, that's a stadium that that is. I mean, Atlanta United's had a bunch of injury problems. And and let's uh, and let's uh, let me jump in just for a second, Chris. Sorry, but uh, Beckham didn't play on turf. He very rarely played on turf. Uh, Thierry Henry didn't want to play on turf. I was at a press conference in Orlando, uh, kind of shocked. Bruce Arena had brought the Galaxy to Orlando, and Robbie Keane wasn't there. He didn't come, and Arena w- went on uh, this tirade against turf. 
Uh, it's ironic now because he coaches in New England, so he has to tone it down. But uh, Bruce Arena, those those who don't know, Bruce Arena can be very outspoken and and right a lot about things. And he went on this rampage against turf. Orlando was playing at the Citrus Bowl at the time. He said, I'm not going to risk Robbie Keane on turf. Um, I'm not going to uh, take the chance that my, my, my star player gets injured. So uh, Tata Martino will have to make that sort of decision around Messi, uh, like Arena did with, with Keane. He's going to have to think about it when they go to Atlanta, where he formerly coached, when they go to New England, when they go to Seattle, et cetera. Yeah, at the same time, too, right? In the back of uh, Messi's mind, he's thinking 2024 Copa America. So he's thinking, okay, what can I do to make sure I stay injury-free, stay fit, stay stay playing good football but the last thing he he wants or needs is is an injury that would rule him out potentially uh, for a tournament uh next year or or you mean impact his um his fitness the, the the second thing about the injuries too is that um i mean anyone who's watched european soccer and then you watch major league soccer or even the gold cup mls and the gold cup are way more more physical Physical in terms of, you mean, the tackles, the fouls um, that happen versus, say, Champions League. And in Major League Soccer, the, the kind of the, the level, the, the actual bar is raised. So a lot of the fouls you'll see in the Champions League, there'll be you mean, yellow card or, you mean, definitely warnings and, and then maybe red cards. In Major League Soccer, when you're watching that, that league or the Gold Cup, you'll see that the referees let things go. Uh, that you really have to do some serious damage uh, sometimes in MLS to get to get a, uh, a yellow or a red, and I've, I mean the the contrast between the two is is massive. I, I've watched a lot of MLS games, and I'm like, what's the deal with the referees? Like, why aren't they so? I mean, kind of cracking down on these types of fouls because they happen again. And, and, again. and even if, and even if they are. Uh, giving yellow cards. Let's not forget the infamous Barcelona-Real Madrid match in 2012, I think it was, where Mourinho decided to employ a strategy where he had 10 outfield players. Let's uh, take turns and, and hack Messi, and each one will get a, a get get a booking, right, in yep. the process. Um, so there's that strategy, too, even if they do uh, 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 call the matches, the referees call the matches a little uh, harder, that, that the opposing coach can say, okay, let's take a page out of Joe's very cynical playbook and, and just alternate yellow cards and and hack Messi. We have 10 chances to hack him because we have 10 outfield players. So, so going back to Leagues Cup for a minute though, Kartik, because um, you raised a couple of good points a, a few minutes ago too. I, and, and one of them to me is like, which teams in Leagues Cup have a national relevance? So on a nationwide basis, which are the teams that no matter where you, you live in the US, if you live in California, Florida, New York, Texas, wherever, um, which are the teams that, that you're going to watch just because they're, they're playing a big game, you know, in, in, in League's Cup? And, and a- MLS well, clubs? No, 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 both. Liga Mekis and, and uh, MLS combined. You mean, like, to me, there's, there's three. But, but what about you? Like, which teams would they be? Club America, uh, uh, Cruz Azul, as I mentioned. I'm not sure about Chivas anymore. Okay, I, I, I guess maybe we give them. And I would say... Uh, uh, Tigress more than Monterey, and then let's put the Seattle Sounders in there. So five. Okay, and and then like to me, it's three, and it's I mean Seattle's pretty bad this year, but to me that those three, it's it's Club America, it's Chivas, and then it's into Miami, and and those are the only three teams that to me 
Oh right, with yeah. Messi. With and Messi. those are the only three yeah. teams that are really going going to like you mean draw some considerable number of people watching those games on on MLS season pass. Um, we have to mention too that in the US, select games are, are going to be on uh, Univision and Tudo NA, uh, but but not in Mexico. So you've got three three teams out of I think it's forty eight that are competing in uh, League's Cup. Uh, you, both you and I are very actually very enthusiastic in terms of League's Cup. I, I'm interested in it, in it. I'm excited about it. I, I'm going to watch it. It is going to be challenging every night, almost every night. There's five games happening, so and a lot of those games are happening at the same time. Um, and a lot of those games are probably teams or games that we're not really interested in. It's going to be a big ask for this competition to be a success. And I'm sure over time, MLS and Liga Mekis and, and probably Apple too uh, now are going to make changes to this competition and going to tweak it, try and figure out what works, what doesn't work. It, it is an experiment, um, but it's it's a big risk. And and I think I think in many ways too, again, the Messi factor definitely helps in the US to watch the League's Cup, but there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, will people turn out uh, in attendance to watch some of these games? Are, are MLS fans once... If, it, if these teams start losing, are going to kind of like, you mean, just not watch anymore? Uh, and then the Liga Mackey's clubs, you mean, are those fans going to really be in the US uh, excited about turning up both paying tickets and or actually watching these games on television or, or on streaming? It's a big unknown. unknown. All right, Kartik, let's move on to listener mailbag. First up is Chris, and Chris has a voicemail. Hi guys, in terms of John Champion joining NBC, I think it is a brilliant move on their part. I think for when Peter really drew it, has to call games for Sky. The only thing that is missing when it comes to this is Taylor Twelman, as he and John Champion work well together at ESPN for MLS coverage. Hopefully Apple will allow Twelman to work for NBC during the MLS offseason alongside him. I also have a question about Arlo White. With the imminent Live PGA Tour merger likely going to displace Arlo White as the golf commentator due to CBS and NBC likely wanting to keep their PGA Tour events and ending the deal that Live Live current has with the CW. Do you see Arlo getting hired by Apple to do games for MLS season pass? Wow, Kartik, these are some good Um, questions here. Yeah, on the first one, uh, Chris, I'll... uh, uh, I, I think that's a good shout. I, I would love to see Taylor Twelman paired with John Champion on NBC to do some Premier League games, and, and uh, that would be an option, I guess, from uh, when does the MLS season end? From November until late November until uh, uh, through, through actually the festive period and, and, and that, that, that time. So uh, if uh, Apple is willing and MLS are willing to give him a release, that would be great if, if he could be on NBC. As far as the uh, second part of the question um, – <laughs> I, I I guess I mean I, I think uh, there is a possibility Arlo White could could sign on with that MLS season pass. Although I think there's still you're, there's going to need to be some time. I, I think there's still so much anger and bitterness about his uh, his decision to sign on with Live. Uh, I I'm actually kind of uh, uh, heartened 
but also surprised by the blowback against the PGA Tour uh, here in, in my area in Florida, where the PGA Tour is based. Actually, they're based, their headquarters is, uh, you know, kind of a stone's throw from you, Chris, Ponte Vedra, um, Ponte Vedra Beach. The, the backlash about making this deal with the Saudis, and uh, there's still a lot of anger about the players who defected to live. There's still anger about the people who participated with Liv, which would include Arlo White. And there's even backlash among uh, current PGA Tour players, uh, the likes of John Rahm, by the way, big, uh, uh, big, big uh, uh, f- a football fan, uh, big uh, fan of uh, Athletic Bilbao, um, among John Rahm and some of the other top players who were like, I, we, we, we really feel betrayed by this. So I, I don't think Arlo White's going to be uh, welcomed uh, maybe in a year, maybe in, uh, let's say, uh, mid-season, next season in MLS, League's Cup time, uh, maybe the, the, these, uh, this bitterness has gone away, but I, I don't think it's going to happen soon. Yeah, I, I think Arlo's too controversial for Apple. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe MLS or Apple might say, like, yeah, let's bring him in. But, I mean, he's based in the UK. You mean, all the, all the commentators calling the games, calling them from, from the actual stadiums. I'm sure he'd be okay with moving to the U.S. and and living here again and and calling games. But to me, he, he's too controversial of a figure. You I mean he he made his bed with Saudi Arabia? I mean, you and I have talked about this before too. He is well loved by by a lot of people, but he's not that good of a commentator. In reality, he's got a huge ego, um, and I don't think he would fit in well with with um, uh, Apple. Now, yes, he he watches MLS games. He I think still calls Chicago Fire games. I think if 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 I remember correctly, but um, I think it would be a, a bad move for Apple and Major League Soccer. Taylor Swellman, I mean, I, I like him too, but I, I think there's no way that he's going to uh, work for NBC Sports. He has an exclusive uh, contract with Apple um, and NBC. I mean, with the John Champion pair up, which is fantastic news, right? I mean, that John Champion come into NBC Sports. We broke the news this week at WorldSoccerTalk.com with more details there. But, I mean, I think he's just going to be paired with who's, whoever's the best that's available. So if it's a Jim Beglin or, I mean, I don't know, Leon Osman or whoever's available as a, as a co-commentator, I don't think. Stephen Warnock, maybe. But I, I think this, this, this requires NBC to have someone a little more semi-permanent, right? And, and that's, that's where I think the Twelman idea is intriguing because – or if it's not Twelman, someone else. Because uh, uh, if they're just borrowing uh, commentators from Sky or IMG, although we see the synergies with Sky uh, growing with uh, with the Drury thing, but again, Sky's up for sale, uh, so Comcast at some point will will uh, presumably be able to sell them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the process in the UK is very cumbersome with regulations. Uh, actually, it is in the US too. But so it, it's not imminent, yeah. but it, it will happen at some point. Um, I, I think the, the 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 thing NBC would want to do is have uh, a, a another standby co-commentator. I think uh, uh, splitting up Dixon and Lasol would be a colossal mistake. And I, I don't think they'll do it, right? Because the synergy of those two guys, and this is another thing about Peter Drury. I know I'm going a little off topic here, Chris, but uh, maybe should have said this earlier uh, in the year, earlier in the Premier League season. We just, since we just mentioned Arlo White, it's fresh in my mind. I don't think Arlo White quite was able to enable the synergy between Dixon and Lasol in a three-man booth the way Drury has facilitated it, which is one of the great talents of an elite commentator, 
Again, this isn't the shot at Arlo White. He's a very average commentator. Uh, let's face it, and he's not in the league of a John Champion or a Peter Drury. But what Drury has been able to do is really get the conversation going between those two. Some banter, some really good points, and um, I don't want to see them split up and one of them paired with, with Champion and the other sticking with Drury. I like that three-man booth, even if it's Champion in those two. Uh, so maybe they need another co-commentator in their uh, arsenal uh, semi-permanently in NBC. Yeah, another reason, too, that Twelman wouldn't work for NBC is that Twelman would have to be in the UK because John Champion's there. He's calling the games from from the stadiums. Um, I think at the end of the day, I think what's most likely to happen is that um, it'll either be Lee Dixon or Graham Lasso, one or the other, uh, or maybe both, uh, with John Champion in the commentary uh, uh, gantry there. Uh, in England for whatever game they're calling. The first game of uh, John Champion's uh, commentary officially for NBC Sports should be the Chelsea against Liverpool game on that opening weekend on a Sunday for the 11.30 a.m. Eastern time kickoff. But uh, we shall see. All right, next up is Drew. Drew says, in reference to Kartik's comments on the podcast about uh, NBC's Big Ten package, it has no effect on the Premier League package. Big Ten games will be at 7.30 Eastern time on Saturdays this fall. And Christopher has more information too. He says Big Ten football shouldn't be an issue on Saturdays for the Premier League in terms of conflicts. The Big Ten is getting a 7.30 uh, primetime game each week. Notre Dame will air three home afternoon games on NBC with pregame coverage starting at 2.30 Eastern time and games kicking off at 3.30. There isn't much of a post-game show for the Premier League games as they will go right to the Notre Dame game, uh, the pre-game show uh, those weekends. As an aside, I hate the 11.30 a.m. kickoff times, Eastern time, on Sundays that now bleed into NFL gameplay. The Premier League uh, loses me at 1 p.m. on Sundays. I was okay for 20 years skipping the NFL pre-game shows as the Premier League games would finish at 12.55 um, Eastern time, which didn't overlap with the NFL. I, not, uh, I know first world problems, right? I, I don't think Big Ten basketball uh, will conflict with the Premier League uh, on either NBC or USA. Yeah, because it used to be, right? It used to be, Kartik, if you remember, uh, you, you re- remember, but listeners, you you may, may or may not remember, but it used to be the Sunday games for the Premier League um, East Coast time we're at 11 o'clock, and it was like 11 o'clock to, to, uh, to 12.55. And, and like Christopher said, it would roll right into kind of the 1 p.m. NFL. But now games are 11.30 uh, a.m. Eastern time, and so by the time they wrap up, it's about like what, about 1.25 Eastern time. Uh, next up is Messi. Uh, to talk about Messi is, is, <laughs> is Dan. Dan says, I probably worked in sporting goods retail Oh, no, I previously <laughs> worked in sporting goods retail, and we saw huge boosts in soccer sales around the 1994 World Cup and when Beckham came to the U.S. Both things really raised the game in this country. Here we are again, but with an important difference. Messi's coming, and the next World Cup will be close behind, not the large gaps of 1994 to Beckham to today. Low division soccer has an opportunity here that they may not come that may not come around for a decade. They need to use the extra attention to the game as a driver to boost attendance and involvement in those divisions. Use the buzz to their advantage. 
Narcotic, out of uh, everyone that covers uh, lower league soccer in the United States, you're one of the top experts on this. Do you think that the lower division clubs rec- recognize that there's an opportunity here? And then do you think they will actually go ahead and, and do something about it to, to try to figure out a way to kind of uh, thrive off this buzz? I hope so. I, I, I think back to the 2014 World Cup, which was in uh, Brazil, and how U.S. soccer very kind of aggressively facilitated and this is a that's a different era of U.S. soccer. Uh, Sunil Gulati was the president. Uh, Dan Flynn was the uh, executive or secretary general, executive director. Uh, Brian Remedi was doing most of the operations. These are all guys that had, uh, even if they tilted towards MLS. Which in Flynn's case, I don't think he did actually. But um, they 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 understood lower division soccer and its needs. So they there was a, a great number of synergies between lower division clubs. And the U.S. so to the point where uh, U.S. Soccer Federation was facilitating uh, uh, paraphernalia, uh, memorabilia, merchandise, watch parties, all of these things in markets. I, I speak specifically of, of the Tampa Bay market and the Fort Lauderdale, Miami market, where we had Fort Lauderdale Strikers, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, oh, and Orlando City, who were going to MLS, but they were still in USL at the time. Uh, Orlando City. Uh, uh, there was a lot of coordination and synergy done to try and build interest uh, for U.S. Soccer Federation saying, OK, if you're into your um, into the U.S. national team, you're watching the matches in Brazil, you're following this World Cup. Here's a local option for you co-branding the watch parties, co-branding a lot of the stuff. Uh, in fact, I still have some of, the, some of the things they printed for both the Rowdies and the Strikers. It was for 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 country, for club, and it would be uh, the U.S. the the uh, U.S. soccer logo next to the Strikers logo or, or the Rowdies logo. So U.S. soccer in that period, and that was just eight years ago or nine years ago, was facilitating this. Now, the leadership at U.S. soccer is completely different now. I don't know that they quite have the understanding or interest, quite frankly, in lower division soccer. So it may be on the lower divisions themselves and those clubs to take the impetus and do this. Uh, and, and hopefully they're having the conversations now to where they can take advantage of it. Um, now, USL, before Jake Edwards left and, and, and went to Huddersfield Town, where he's now uh, the, the, the president of the club, he had an idea that the World Cup would be the perfect launching pad to kind of relaunch USL as a fall to spring league starting in August of, or September of 2026, immediately after the World Cup and follow a European calendar. I'm not sure if that's still um, in the cards. There were some uh, USL owners who were pushing back on that. They like the current kind of summer-based schedule. There are other USL owners who do want to flip the calendar. So um, I don't know if that will happen. But if it does happen, that's something where USL specifically will take tremendous advantage of the World Cup. Uh, in terms of NISA, uh, I'm not sure what their plans are. But I, I do think the opportunity is there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great question, Dan. And I think in many ways that uh, the, the, I, can, I can foresee definitely USL clubs doing like watch parties during the 2026 World Cup where you mean come watch uh, – on a big screen TV, either in a local restaurant or bar or at the stadium, watch uh, USA against in Brazil or whoever whoever's the, they're playing. I can see that. That's 2026. And I can see probably some other things that they could do independent of US soccer. I think it's going to be something that they'll, these clubs will do on their own without any help uh, or assistance from um, 
U.S. soccer. But I'll tell you kind of what happens with the club culture. So uh, in Orlando, 2014, there's this embrace. Okay, cool. Orlando City is doing these watch parties, co-branded with with U.S. soccer, with with the American Outlaws, whoever. Uh, let's go cheer on the USA. By the time Orlando then had gone to MLS, and Orlando itself was hosting Copa America matches, but not um, USA matches in 2016, there was some backlash among the fans like ah you know we're Orlando City fans we don't really want to root for the U.S. Uh, and and uh, the, the supporters groups began to go their own ways after that right in 2017 uh, the U.S. starts playing games once Orlando opens their new stadium U.S. has regularly played games in Orlando since then and the the supporters groups have effectively been separated. They've been segregated from one another. So there's also that possibility that club fans will be like, eh, uh, you know, we don't really care about the U.S. Now, of course, this is kind of different because the entire World Cup will be in the U.S. or in North America. So maybe it goes a little differently. But I saw it in Orlando where they got a bump out of the 2014 World Cup in Brazil and and Team USA and, and, and the enthusiasm around that. But by the time... Once they were in MLS, a lot of the fans were like, eh, you know, who cares about the U.S.? I think uh, more immediately, though, the Messi factor, the Messi effect, um, I don't think lower league soccer leagues in the U.S. are going to change or try to take advantage of that. And and if anything, I mean, they have to think about this, right? Because, you I mean, if it's um, a big Saturday, Saturday night and it's um, Messi's playing his debut game against, you know, I mean, Cruz Azul or whoever is Atlanta United, chances are, I think personally, you might disagree, Kartik, but I think that would have an impact on uh, on attendance for lower league soccer games. Some of the USL fans or some of the fans of, of other uh, teams or, or other, from other leagues might say, you know what, I'm going to skip tonight's game. I'm going to go home and watch you mean, Messi on Fox or, or on uh, MLS Season Pass. I, I think there's an opportunity here for ESPN Plus especially uh, and for USL to to kind of promote themselves a little bit more, the promotion that they're doing is almost non-existent. Um, you mean so I I don't have much faith in USL or your ESPN Plus that they're going to try to do something to actually take advantage of the situation and, and, and there's, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of different ideas of what they could do. And USL is getting I think more and more. Uh, kind of local based so I, I think your statement it was a blanket statement it, it applies to certain markets in certain markets there will be people who don't go to a usl game because they want to watch messi uh in other markets it won't have any difference and uh one of my big criticisms of usl and i know uh they don't take this well coming from me because i worked for nasl and obviously we were rival leagues but i want usl to succeed you know my, my wagon is kind of hitched to usl and nisa's lo- uh, uh, lower division leagues with independent clubs now um we created a national or league-wide culture where if someone was a tampa bay rowdies fan and jacksonville was playing the new york cosmos or minnesota was playing san antonio they would watch those games usl that's not the case and in fact i even see it on the journalist side uh people who covered let's say the carolina railhawks or fc edmonton uh, in, in our league, in NASL, they would cover the entire league. They'd have an interest in stories in Fort Lauderdale or, or New York or wherever else. Um, in USL, that's not the case. People cover their local clubs. They watch their local clubs. They're not watching the league as a whole. I think that's a failure by the league. That may be an ESPN Plus failure also. Maybe another media partner would do a better job with that. Uh, it, it's to be determined. But uh, I, your point is, is well taken because I think by not creating that culture, 
And again, they don't like it coming from me in particular, but other people say it as well. And maybe those people have more credibility in, in USL's eyes than I do. Um, they have left the door open for this to happen and for them to bleed fans, even in some of their local markets, to MLS now that MLS has Messi. I think uh, MLS has the same problem, though, Kartik, where you have a lot of reporters that are club-specific, right? And they're writing about, I don't know, Seattle Sounders. And from what it appears to be that they're not following really the rest of the league. Um, and I'm, I'm sure more so, even more so, maybe maybe not so much that, but more so the fans, right? The fans, if you're a fan of LA Galaxy or LAFC, you're probably not paying attention to the other games from around the league. So um, I think it's, in some ways it's similar problems where... It's similar yeah. and... Yeah, and, I, and sorry, I plead guilty to this too because I, uh, even though I champion independent soccer, I'll be honest, the last couple of years I hadn't uh, followed NISA. I last followed NISA when the club I worked for that I was uh, directing the, the, the communications for was in NISA, Miami FC. We then moved to USL um, and I left the club shortly thereafter. But um, I, uh, I, I, I haven't followed NISA. And then this year they put a team in, in Daytona Beach which is in my home area, so in, in my state. So suddenly I'm watching Nisa pretty passionately. Uh, my, my colleague, uh, former World Soccer Talk uh, writer and, and podcaster, Jonathan Starling, same thing with him. He didn't follow Nisa at all. Now he's watching every game because there is a team in our area in Nisa. So I, I guess, you know, I plead guilty. <laughs> And, and, and Jonathan too is guilty, right? Because right. he—I mean, it's the same thing, right? You have to have uh, local clubs in your market or in your area to build interest in the league. So I—I uh, I can say USL hasn't done that and hasn't built that context. You're right; it's true, also to a certain extent with MLS. But I should stick my hand up and plead guilty because in the case of NISA, uh, I've embraced the league. And I will admit, and I've admitted it to them, that it's because they, they finally put a team in Florida. They had uh, three seasons after Miami FC left uh, and before uh, the new club joined, Club de Leon, where there was no team in Florida. So I was just like, eh, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. They're a league for the rest of the country. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interested. That, that is the best thing to me uh, about MLS Season Pass is, uh, is the whip around show, is MLS 360, because it does foster, it does encourage, it does breed. Um, or kind of basically kind of uh, urge uh, uh, viewers to watch the league as a whole and not just your local team or the team that's nearest you. Um, now, how many people are actually watching MLS 360 on MLS Season Pass or are more, more people watching the games themselves, the individual games? Uh, that would be enlightening. But to me, MLS 360 is the right move uh, for the league that does need to try to grow and actually generate and create a, nation a nationwide audience. And USL should be doing the same thing too. I mean, they should be trying to figure out a way to do a whip around show on ESPN Plus or whichever broadcaster they go to in the future because that would help um, in terms of generate more awareness or greater, greater interest in, in the league as a whole. Last but not least, Dave. <laughs> Dave, thank you so much for this, uh, this comment. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, it says, Dave says, Congratulations on 1,500 episodes. Once I discovered this podcast, it quickly became one of my favorite things on the internet. I especially enjoy your coverage of many different topics and your willingness to experiment with formats and frequencies, etc. It keeps the content feeling fresh, which can be very hard to achieve. Kudos to the entire team. Thank you for the, the deep dive also on the Saudi Pro League. I thought that the Saudi Pro League was mainly targeting expensive, long-in-the-tooth players 
seems if I seems I was mistaken. The strategy is more much more interesting if they can attract high quality players who are still in their athletic primes. So again, Dave, thank you so much, and and also uh, all of the other listeners um, who have congratulated us on the 1,500 episodes. This is 1,502 <laughs> for those keeping count. Um, but yeah, the SPL, not the Scottish Premier League, but the uh, Saudi Pro League. I mean, it's like crazy how many transfer uh, discussion there is. Jamie Vardy uh, supposedly turned down an agreement this week. Uh, every day there's there's new players. I think, um, was it Riyad Mahrez? Um, yeah. I, I mean, and then um, was it uh, from Chelsea? Or was it, uh, oh gosh, which is the... the, the and Brozovic uh, from Inter, which to me is devastating. To me, he's been one of the best players in Serie A. And we talked about this World Cups, last two World Cups, I think best 11 probably, in my opinion, both World Cups. Uh, he, he could be The going. one thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about on the last podcast when we did talk about the Saudi Pro League, um, actually, I think, I think we talked about it a little bit, but I had to edit it out because of some sound issues, was... The league is not relevant in terms of being available, easily accessible for people to watch. Uh, so whether it's the U.S. or, or abroad, uh, you can watch games through streaming through the Saudi Pro League website. You have to subscribe to that. So that's the big thing that's missing. They have all these stars, which is great. Um, but, I mean, that's the huge advantage to me of MLS Season Pass is that I mean, no matter where you are in the world, you, you can subscribe pretty easily. It's going to cost you a penny, but you can subscribe pretty easily. Saudi Pro League is a lot more jumps to try to actually get someone to sign up. That's that's my biggest concern about the league is that are people going to watch it? I mean, yes, in Saudi Arabia, the fans will turn out, but globally outside of that, are people going to actually pay interest and, and attention to that? I don't think so. Yeah, and signing up, uh, again, this is dated... Uh, uh, dated data, but the year NASL took itself off of uh, television and mainstream platforms completely outside of the one game a week we had on ESPN3 that year and, and put themselves on Perform, which was the forerunner of zone, uh, which not only required money, but it required the sign-up. We even heard from people the sign-up was more complicated than just giving a credit card number for a streaming service. Um, that uh, we saw kind of numbers drop and interest drop and had to go back the following season to to a, to a normal ESPN uh, 3 uh, plan with, with games on uh, BN and linear games on BN and, and CBS Sports Network because uh, that didn't work. And I've seen it with other leagues and teams when you, when you try and get people to fill out a form and sign up for kind of a standalone service, it doesn't work, right? A standalone uh, even if you're directing people to a to a league YouTube page, it's very difficult. Yeah, and lastly, I, I'll just uh, wrap up on this Kartik before we kind of talk about uh, ways that people can tune in to or share their feedback with us, so we can read those out on air or play the vo voicemails. Is that you and I championed MLS Season Pass way before it, it launched and before it was actually a done deal when there was a discussion about Apple being involved and wanting to have exclusive streaming rights. You and I were probably, I would say definitely, the biggest, um, you mean, kind of uh, on the biggest proponents of, of that deal because we were like, hey, this is fantastic. This is something that's going to change the industry in terms of having all of these games available 
uh, through streaming. I mean, in terms of the timing of this with the cord cutters, um, this is perfect. So I think we, and we've gotten so much abuse from people uh, on social media saying all sorts of really just, just fake accusations, uh, just face, fake information and, and just lies, basically. Uh, we want MLS season pass to succeed. We believe it will succeed. We're, I mean, again, since day one, we've been the ones saying, okay, this is a great move. This is a wonderful move. Now you're missing things. I mean, MLS is missing out on things in terms of the reach through television, like, like we saw in Mexico, through Televisa or Azteca, etc. So it's not the perfect situation, but for the future, I think it's the right move. Um, but at the end of the day, just like you said with uh, NASL and problems getting people to actually sign up and pay and that whole side of the things, it comes down to are people willing to pay, are willing people, people willing to whip out the credit card and sign up to watch those games. Those are out of our control but we are huge fans of MLS season pass and do, and do what I do. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, I'm just going to reiterate what I said at the top of the show uh, about leagues cup. I mean, when, when leagues cup, this new format was announced, uh, I was like waving the flag right away. Uh, that same, that first day, while there were some of your typical people who uh, folks consider proponents of MLSing, oh, I don't know about this taking a break in the middle of the season. Oh, another tournament, more games. I said this is a great idea. This could be a game changer for MLS. In fact, I think I may have written an article for World Soccer Talk uh, yep. when this new format was announced uh, 15 months ago or whenever it was. Uh, maybe two years ago now, uh, that this is a potential game changer for the league. So I remain enthusiastic about the tournament. I am very disappointed by this news, though, uh, that it's going to be on MLS Season Pass and not on a linear channel in Mexico because when Season Pass was announced and you and I embraced it immediately, Chris, this was one of the things that was a standout from the announcement was that there was this carve-out because League's Cup uh, was going to hopefully be a huge event for Mexican fans in Mexico, for fans of, of, of Mexican football. And uh, now they're going to have to sign up for season pass. Hopefully they do. Yeah, one of the many things I like about Major League Soccer is that they do take risks. They are aggressive. I mean, we, we've, I mean, just like 10 minutes ago, I was criticizing USL for being very uh, pacifist, right? right? Really not doing that much, just trying not making much of an effort to try to take advantage of opportunities. MLS, for sure, with uh, MLS Season Pass and with League's Cup in conjunction with uh, Liga Mackeys, are taking massive risks. This is very aggressive. This could work in their favor. This could be the biggest thing that they've ever done. This could be two leagues shutting down their entire seasons and playing against each other. This, This is massive. Imagine if the Premier League did that against the Bundesliga, right? People would be going crazy. Uh, in a good way, I think, for the most part, depending on how it fits into the schedule, that's a whole other story. But it, it's it's smart moves by MLS to try this. This could be a complete disaster, <laughs> League's Cup. Um, MLS season pass, uh, before Messi joined, that could have been a complete disaster. And and that's the thing, at the end of the day, Kartik, I think uh, you and I have, have uh, been on, on the receiving end of so much abuse uh, from uh, MLS fans. And... We are realists. We are not going to be like a lot of MLS journalists out there, only saying positive things. And actually, most of the positive things that people are saying, uh, not journalists, but others, are paid employees of either Apple or MLS. They're the ones that are kind of continuing to I mean, sound the horn and say how great this is or how great that is. 
we are realists. So we call it as we see it. We see both sides. We sometimes agree with MLS, sometimes disagree with MLS. But because sometimes we disagree with MLS or talk about some of this, the impact uh, that are negative, we, we're seen as uh, you mean, haters of MLS when, when, it, when, it, when in fact the opposite is true. Yeah, and one last thing, since you mentioned that, uh, there has been recently, at least in my circles, a lot of romanticism about the old Anglo-Italian Cup, which uh, I think newer fans don't know about, but ran uh, in various incarnations from 19, the early 1970s until the mid-1990s and pitted teams from Italy against teams from uh, uh, England. Uh, at, 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 uh, you know, at some points in that uh, competition it was Serie A clubs versus first division slash Premier League clubs other times it was lower division clubs but that's part of the reason why I'm so intrigued by League's Cup because there is uh, now you there's no way you can have an Anglo-Italian Cup right there's too many pictures in Europe but there is a lot of romanticism and kind of uh interest in that sort of competition where just two leagues pit off against uh, pit, pit, pit against one another and no one else is involved so I think League's Cup does have a lot of potential for that reason and, and among other reasons Yeah, I I keep on wanting to wrap up, but keep on thinking of new thoughts. I mean, League's Cup, what was the purpose of League's Cup in the beginning of this? When when they came up with this creation, I honestly think it was, okay, what can we do to figure out a way to compete against the International Champions Cup and against all of these exhibition games that are happening uh, with teams outside of North America playing on U.S. soil, seeing Real Madrid against Manchester United, setting a uh, a U.S. attendance record in the history of, of uh, soccer in this country. It was over 100,000 people. Um, what can we do to actually compete against that? And they came up with a great idea, which is, hey, let's have both leagues work together and let's see if we can actually own own the summer market. The summer market, when most people spend a lot of money, they got free time, right? The kids are out of school and uh, they have disposable income. They want to go see their the stars. Let's go ahead and create a tournament that is going to uh, encourage people to go see those games in person and or on television. So that's the intention. Uh, I mean, so which makes sense from a business point of view. It makes sense. Uh, Is it a risk? Yes. Is it aggressive? Yes. Could it succeed? Absolutely. And and we'd love to see it succeed. But uh, we shall see. All right, listeners, uh, if you do want to reach out to us in any way um, to give us your feedback, uh, agree or disagree with us, or uh, ask us any questions when it comes to watching soccer uh, on TV or streaming, etc., uh, there's a bunch of different ways you can reach out to us. Uh, one is uh, voicemail. You can, you can call uh, 561-247-4625 and just leave a voicemail there. You can send us an email, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com. You can go ahead and go to our website, worldsoccertalk.com, click on podcasts, and then leave a comment in the most recent episode. Uh, Twitter is at worldsoccertalk, and then facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. And then last but not least is youtube.com slash worldsoccertalk. Karthik, where can they find you on social media and uh, where can they read your writings and your team's writings uh, on Substack? 
So uh, Substack, it's beyondthe90.substack.com. And you can find me on Twitter at KKFLA737. All right, listeners, thank you so much for listening and sticking with us on this one. We hope that you have a very happy 4th of July weekend. Uh, we're, go- we're not going to be back on Monday as we normally are because of the long holiday weekends. Uh, we aim to be back later next week um, as we progress through the hot and humid summer Kartik, what are you going to do this weekend other than uh, maybe have some 4th of July celebrations but what are you going to do this weekend and what should the listeners do enjoy your football